wrapping up our series on the uh, book of uh, Samson, or the story of Samson, I uh, should say, out of the uh, book of Judges. And uh, in fact, if you have a Bible, you want to turn to Judges chapter 16. That's where we're going to be hanging out here today. Uh, for those of you that may not have been with us for the uh, previous parts of the, the series, let me give you a little bit of an idea of what was happening these past three weeks. Samson was a man who was called by God from a, a very early age to do great and mighty exploits for God. Simon, can we turn that down just a hair there? Thank you. All right. Uh, so Samson was called to do these like great and mighty exploits for God. God gave him these incredible gifts of strength that he was able to use to do all kinds of miraculous things. But what we found out is that Samson kept getting in his own way. Even though God had a plan, he had a call, he had a purpose for Samson's life, Samson just kept messing up over and over and over again. Back in week one, what we said was that Samson was an incredibly strong man with a dangerously weak will. Remember, he kept doing things he shouldn't do. He was chasing after women he shouldn't chase after. He was touching things he shouldn't touch. He was drinking things that he shouldn't drink. Last week we saw he got a haircut he should have never have gotten. You ever gotten a bad haircut before? That was Samson, right? He got a bad haircut. <laughs> then we saw in week two that, you know, he, he was this guy who was emotion-driven, not spirit-led. We talked about how oftentimes that can... Uh, be the same for us, that we're so driven by, you know, our pride or our anger, or our lust, instead of listening to the voice of the Spirit and what God would have us to do. And then last week, what we saw was that Samson didn't get into this, this big mess that he was in all at once. It was one step at a time, one bad decision after another bad decision after another bad decision, and that ultimately led to his destruction and his ruin. Now, if you remember where we left off last week with the story, Samson, he's been captured by the Philistines, the group of people he's supposed to be defeating. The reason that God had him on the earth was to defeat this people. But yet, he's been captured, they've gouged out his eyes, he's in prison, chained, and he's being made to do the work of basically an animal. He's treading the grain. He's humiliated. There's his enemies. They're, they're laughing at him. They're mocking him. They're saying bad things about him. This wasn't the life that Samson was supposed to have. This isn't what God had put him on the earth to do. You know, that begs the question for our own lives of what happens in our lives when things don't turn out the way we think that they should have turned out. What do you do when you've been humiliated? What do you do when you know that you've done something that you can't go back and undo? What do you do when you feel like you're a failure? Again, if you've got a Bible this morning, turn to Judges chapter 16. Give you a little bit of time to get there. But before we get there, let me just say this. They're on your outline. Oftentimes our biggest fear is failure and our greatest pain is regret. None of us want to fail, do we? All of us want to be seen as someone that's successful, that we've lived out God's calling for our life, that we didn't mess up, that we did everything that we were supposed to do. But oftentimes we don't. And so we, we live with this fear of failure. Oh man, what if, what if I mess up? And then we do mess up, and then we live with regret. We say things like, oh man, I shouldn't have, or I should have. Man, I just wish I hadn't. And so we live with this pain, this, this regret. We've got failure on one side. We've got this regret on the other side. How I many you know what I'm talking about? That 
you just don't want to fail, right? And then when you do fail, it's like, oh, man, I'm just, I'm a loser. I just didn't do it. Oftentimes people live with regret throughout their whole life. They think, once I've messed up, there's no way God could possibly ever use me again. You know, if you're here today and you're not living with any regret, that's great. But here's what I want to say to you. Make sure that you apply what we talked about last week. Remember, Samson, he messed up. He went that 25 miles that he shouldn't have gone. What did we figure out that was? 25,600 steps that he took going the wrong way. And I said, basically, what you've got to do is turn and go the other way. Just start taking next steps towards God. But some of you, you didn't hear that message. And even though it was convicting in the moment last Sunday, you're still doing the same things this week that you did last week. And eventually that's going to catch up to you. You will have regret. Guys, let me say this to you. Those of you that are looking at pornography and stuff, and those of you that are married and doing that, listen. You're going to end up one day looking at your wife in the eyes as she's bawling her eyes out, trying to explain to her why you're getting your jollies off of an image on a computer screen. You will live with regret. Ladies, last week I talked to you about if you're going this way and you've got something, that maybe it's an addiction of some sort, turn and go the other way because if not, you're going to have regret when one day you have to stand before your family or before your friends and explain to them exactly how you got into that addiction. Maybe you're making some bad financial decisions. You're going the wrong way financially. Turn and go the other way. You don't want to get to the end of life and have regrets that, man, I am dead broke and I'm suffering because of the bad decisions that I made one step at a time, one bad purchase at a time. Again, all of us are going to have some regrets at some point in life. What we want to do is try to minimize that the very most that we can. That's why I said last week, you've got to turn from your sin. It's called repentance and go the other way. Do things God's way. But let me say this. If you're here today and you're going, okay, Gilbert, I already have the regrets and I'm a failure and God can't use me. Let me say this to you. I put it on your outline this way. Failure is an event. It's not a person. Failure is an event, not a person. You are not a failure. You may have done something that failed, but you're not a failure. God can still use you. God isn't done with you yet. That's what happens with Samson. What we're about to see is, even though he was down, even though he's in prison, his eyes are gouged out, God wasn't through with him. God still had a plan for him. In fact, it was still the same plan that God had put him on the earth for, to defeat the Philistines. And so again, I want to say the same thing to you. You may be down, but you're not out. And so let's see how that played out in Samson's life and how it can play out in your life as well. So there in Judges chapter 16, verse 23, we read this. The Philistine rulers held a great festival, offering sacrifices and praising their god Dagon, They said, our God has given us victory over our enemy, Samson. Now, archaeologists, as they've sort of looked at the temple and they've they've sort of dug up that area where the temple for the Philistines was at, it was really more of an arena than it was a, what we would think of as a, like a temple or a church. 
basically it was this big open area in the middle and it had seating all the way around and it was tiered seating and then the roof was actually open as well. So you could actually stand up on the roof and look down into the middle there. Archaeologists, as they've uncovered this uh, Philistine temple, estimate that you could probably get anywhere from three to 5,000 people into this temple or arena. Pretty big place. And so there they are. They're worshiping their god, Dagon. Many of you say that all the time, right? Dagon, right? <laughs> that was the god that they were worshiping, the, the, the Dagon god, right? Now, actually, you want to know what Dagon was? He was actually, this is how they pictured him. It was a fish with a human head on it. That was the God that they worshipped. People say worshipping Jesus is weird. Man, come on, a fish with a human head on it? But, you know, so they're, they're worshipping this little G-O-D. And they're giving him praise that we've defeated the enemy. In fact, look at verse 24. There's an image of Dagon that's brought out, and it says this. When the people saw him, meaning Dagon, they praised their God, saying, Our God has handed our enemy over to us, the one who ruined our land and killed so many of us. Now, what are they talking about there? Well, remember back in week two, what did Samson do with the foxes? Remember? What did he do? He tied their tails together. He put torches in between there, set them out in the fields, and what happened? All the Philistine fields burned. And so what they're saying here is, thank you, Dagon, the guy that ruined our land, he has now been defeated. And you remember after that, the Philistines were angry, and what did Samson do? He reached down, he picked up the jawbone of a donkey, and he killed how many? Who remembers? thousand men. He strikes them down. What are they saying here? Thank you, the one who's killed so many of us. Dagon, you have given us the victory over our enemy. Verse 25. Half drunk by now, they shouted, Bring out Samson to entertain us! And so they called Samson out of the prison, and he performed for them. Wow. How the mighty have fallen. This guy that was called by God to defeat this people is now being used as entertainment for them. Just think about how humiliated Samson must have felt in that moment as he realizes that I've wasted the gifts and the talents that God has given me and here I am as basically a circus performer for these people that are worshiping a false god it would appear that you know he has he's he's failed miserably the question is all right when when we do something and it fails miserably again you're not a failure but sometimes we do things that fail What is our response in that? How how do we respond when failure comes our way? Well, there's two different things. The first one is this on your outline. The natural response to failure is remorse. Remorse. Unfortunately, though, this is all the further it goes for many people is that, all right, I messed up. And we internalize, we're like, you know, I'm such a loser. God can't ever use me again. This is really bad. But we don't take it any further than that. It's sort of like the kid that gets his hand caught in the cookie jar. You know what I'm talking about? He gets his hand caught in the cookie jar. His mom and dad yells at him that, hey, get your hand out of there. You know, you're not supposed to be eating those. 
Now, is the kid sorry for doing it, or is he sorry that he got caught? He's just sorry he got caught, right? He still wants the cookie. And he would have eaten the cookie had mom and dad not caught him. And see, that's us so many times. When it comes to our sin, when it comes to the things that we do that God doesn't want us to do, it's not that we're really sorry for our sin, it's sorry that we got caught in our sin. And so again, there's this sort of inward, oh, okay, I I sort of feel bad about it, but I would do it again if I had the opportunity. And so again, remorse, it's an inward type of thing oftentimes. But then sometimes we turn it outward. Sometimes we start to blame others because, you know, when it's the inward type of thing, we want people to feel sorry for us. Yeah, I'm such a loser. Feel bad for me, for how bad I did. But then the outward side of it is we go, well, it wasn't my fault. It's their fault. We start pointing the finger. If he hadn't done that, if she hadn't done that, if my boss hadn't did this, So we're, we're, we're pointing the finger. And again, that, that may be remorse. Yeah, we may be sorry in some way. But that's not God's ultimate plan for us. That isn't what he would want for us. And that's what happens with Samson here in the story. Sure, Samson, as he's chained and his eyes are gouged out and they're making fun of him, they're calling him names. Who's he pointing the finger at? Who do you think he's pointing the finger at? Who was the last person that he had major dealings with that would have gotten him into this situation from last week? Who, who was she? Delilah, right. You don't think he's not pointing the finger at her? Oh, man, if, if I'd have never met her, if she hadn't asked me all those questions, if she hadn't done what? What did she do until Samson couldn't take it any longer? What did she do? She, what was it? Nagged him. Look at some of you memorizing scripture there. <laughs> yeah. She nagged him. Guys, by the way, not a good one to memorize and quote to your spouse. <laughs> just, just the thought there. Oh, and don't quote the uh, plowing your heifer either. That'll really get you in trouble. Some of you are going, what in the world does that mean? Well, come to church and you'll uh, find out all these uh, little <laughs> inside scriptures here, right? <laughs> Plowing the heifer. Yeah, don't, don't quote that one. That's, that's going to get you in trouble. All right. So if the remorse where we just feel sorry about getting our hand caught in the cookie jar, if that's not the answer, what is the answer? Well, number two in your outline, the best response to failure is repentance. In other words, it's not that you're just sorry for what you did. It's that you're actually sorry. You own up to it. You know, I I did make a mistake. It is my fault. I did it. Last week we talked about repentance, and I said to you that, look, you know, true sorrow is so deep that it actually motivates you to change. Again, it's not you're just sorry that you got caught, but you're so sorry that you're like, God, I need to start doing things your way, not my way any longer. And that was Samson's problem. We've seen this time after time after time the last couple of weeks that he kept doing things his way instead of God's way. And he needed to come to a place of repentance, and you need to come to a place of repentance as well, that you start taking next steps towards God. 
See, we are going to mess up from time to time. We are going to fail at certain things, but we need to repent. We need to get closer to Jesus. Again, this isn't that you just feel bad that you sin. It's that you stop the sinning. You start taking next steps closer and closer to him. See, you can't go back and change your past. You can't undo some of the bad things that you've done, but you can change how you respond to the mistakes that you make in the future. You can't go back and undo that drunken night. You can't go back and change the affair. You can't go back and undo the purchase that you made. You can't go back and undo the argument. can't undo any of that. But you can repent. And again, let me just try to make it as clear as I can. And I've said it before, and I illustrated it for you last week. But basically, it's just this. You're going Satan's way. You're going your own way. You're going the wrong way. And repentance just simply means that you turn 180 degrees and you start going God's way. Repentance isn't that you're going towards sin and you get caught and you go, okay, Jesus, forgive me. And then you just stay there. You can't just stay there. Because guess what? You're going to get tempted, and you're going to start going the wrong way again. Literally, repentance is not that you just ask for his forgiveness, and he will give you that, but that you turn and go the other way. You cannot stay in your sin any longer. Again, I don't know what that looks like for you, but whatever it is, you are not a failure. You have failed. You have sinned but you're not beyond God's grace. You're not beyond God's mercy. He wants to help you to change things. But you're the one that has to turn around. I think that's what happens for Samson here in the story. I think he starts to remember that this isn't who God created me to be. God created me to defeat the Philistines. And here I am being made a laughingstock by them. But God has a plan for me. God has a, a purpose for my life. And I want to remind you of the same thing. I don't care what you've done. God still has a plan for you. God still has a purpose for you. Don't allow our enemy, Satan, to make a laughingstock out of you. You are not who Satan says that you are. You are not who you say that you are. You are who God says that you are. And if you have a relationship with Jesus where he's forgiven you, and cleansed you, made you whole, made you brand new. You're not a failure. You're not a failure. God still has something for you to do while you're here on the earth. So repent and say, you know what? I'm not going to allow my past to dictate my future. No, with God's help and God's forgiveness, I'm turning from my sin and turning towards God. Verses 26 and 27 then. Samson said to the young servant who was leading him by the hand, Place my hands against the pillars that hold up the temple. I want to rest against them. Now the temple was completely filled with people. All the what? All the Philistine rulers were there. And there were about 3,000 men and women on the roof who were watching as Samson amused them. Samson's tired. He's humiliated. But in this moment, I think he's also humbled. And I love what he does next. Look at verse 28. It says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again. Oh God, please strengthen me just one more time. He says, God, just 
One more time. Give me strength. In other words, look, God, I've blown it a thousand times. I mean, we've literally seen him blow it a lot of times here these past couple weeks. God, I've blown it a thousand times. I don't need a thousand more times a chance. I just need one more chance. God, give me one more chance chance i'm begging with you i'm pleading with you in your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness give me just one more chance strengthen me one more time samson's a broken man it's no longer about him it's all about god you know up to this point in the series we saw samson time after time after time make it all about himself that what i want this i need this i deserve this i can handle this It's about my emotions. It was all about Samson. But he says, God, no, 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 no. I've come to realize now that it's not about me. It's all about you. So strengthen me one more time so I can fulfill the calling that you've put on my life and do my best to honor you. See, it's the same for us. Here's what I put on your outline. Even in my failures, God can still accomplish his purposes in and through me. Let me ask you an easy question here. What was the purpose of Samson's life? Why had God placed him on the earth? To do what? Defeat the Philistines, right? God's not done with them. Verses 29 and 30. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple. Pushing against them with both hands, he prayed, Let me die with the Philistines. And the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. And so he killed more people when he died than he had done during his entire lifetime. Samson pushes with all of his might. God gives him the strength one more time. And Scripture says here that Samson accomplished more in that moment than he had done in his entire lifetime. Why? Because up until that moment, Samson had sometimes been doing some good things to defeat the Philistines. But he hadn't lived out his calling. He hadn't lived out his purpose. And in this moment, remember what Scripture said earlier? Who was, who was there? Not just Philistine men and women, but the, what? the rulers of the Philistines. Finally, Samson has fulfilled his calling and his purpose. just goes to show it doesn't matter how big you failed or what you've done. You are not a failure and God is not done with you. You can still do great and mighty things for him. So stop all the, the fake remorse, the whining, the complaining, all that kind of stuff, and repent. Repent of your sins. Start living for God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. You may be down, but you're not out. Yes, maybe for years you lied. Yes, maybe for years you were an addict. Yes, maybe for years you looked at porn. Maybe, yes, for years you made bad financial decisions. Yes, maybe for years you were a bad spouse. But repent, turn from it, and start going God's way because God is not done with you yet. He's not finished. That means you've got to push down some pillars in your life. Pray, God, I don't need a thousand more chances. God, just one more chance. Strengthen me. Help me to push the pillars down. There you go, and Gilbert, you're speaking obviously metaphorically there about pushing pillars down. I'm not going to like leave here and start pushing pillars down. But what, what would that look like in like real life in, in my life? And here's the thing. I don't know. I don't know what are the, the pillars in your life, but you do. You know. 
But here's what I do know. It's not just going to be simply acknowledging that you have pillars. It's not even just simply going to be that you acknowledge to God that you have pillars and ask for his forgiveness. Samson prayed in this story, but he still had to do something himself. He still had to reach out his arms and push those pillars down. In other words, to push pillars down, there was an action required. And whatever your pillar is in life, there's going to be some sort of action that's going to be required. We call them next steps around here at Exponential. It's not just acknowledging your mistakes. It's not just praying and asking God for his help. It's you now need to take a next step. So what is that next step for you? So you can't come back here next week looking the same as you walked in here this morning. Every single week, there is a next step that God wants you to take in your journey with Him. And again, we make mistakes, one mistake at a time. Well, guess what? We get closer to God one step at a time. You don't just poof, suddenly become more and more like Jesus. No, there is a step that you've got to take each and every day, each and every week. And so what is it? What is the Spirit speaking to you about here this morning? And again, for some of you, it's the same thing he talked to you about last week, but you didn't do anything about it. Again, you got yourself into that mess, you know, over time. You're not going to get yourself out, but just take a next step. You know, for some of you, your next step is picking up the phone and calling a counselor, setting up an appointment. For some of you, it's confessing something to your spouse or sharing something with your life group that you thought, I'd never be able to share this. For some of you, it's getting on a budget. For some of you, it's putting filters on your internet. I don't know what it is for you, but you do. What is it? What is your next step? What is the the pillars that you need to push down? Whatever it is, don't just be a hearer of God's word. Be a doer as well. Take some practical next steps to grow closer and closer to Jesus. Because God has a call in your life. He's not done with you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a a purpose for you. He wants you to do great and mighty things for him. But it's really hard for him to do that when we're like Samson and we keep going into Philistine territory. We've got to live out the calling that he's given us. Here's my challenge. Do what Samson did. You realize that in the story here, Samson literally died, right? I mean, he pushes the pillars, the whole thing collapses, he dies. But he died because he knew that finally he was going to fulfill his purpose and calling in life. And I want to encourage you to do the same thing. I want you to die. Not literally, though. Jesus said that we are to die daily to ourselves. In other words, we should get to the place in our life that every single morning when we wake up, we're like, me, 
flesh and bone me, the desires of my heart me, Jesus, I am being crucified here this morning. That me is dying. And the new me, the the me that has your spirit in me, that's the me that's going to walk planet earth today. And so, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to say what you want me to say. I'm going to go wherever it is you want me to go because I die daily. Again, you've got to push some pillars down. You've got to be willing to die if you really want to live. If you really want to fulfill your purpose and calling. Die to yourself. Yes, you're going to fail from time to time. I mean, no, nobody's going to be perfect. But you know, one person said that the definition of success is getting up one more time than you've been knocked down. simple as that just get up take a next step and god says if you're willing to do that i'm not done with you i'll use you we'll make a difference together so wrap up let me share one more scripture with you and then a quick story proverbs 24 16 it says this no matter how many times you trip up a righteous person god loyal people don't stay down for long soon they're up on their feet again you know, over these past couple of weeks, we've been looking at Samson, this man who was born for a specific reason, a specific purpose. He was an ordinary man, but God had extraordinary things that he wanted him to do. I want to say the same thing to you, that God has extraordinary things that he wants you to do, no matter how unqualified you feel, no matter how uneducated you may be. God wants you to be a, a difference maker. He wants you to be a, a world changer. And so I hope you've been seeing over the past couple of weeks that no matter what you've done, even if you've walked the path of Samson, it's not too late. God can use you. Back in the uh, 1860s, there was an uneducated shoe salesman. He had gotten saved, and he was at a prayer meeting with some other guys. And one of the guys uh, basically said this. He said, you know what? The world has yet to see what God can do through a man who is fully committed to Jesus. And this, this man said, uh, uh, yes, I mean, you got a little head on me there. Okay, that's fine. Keep it up. Keep it up. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and change it then. Uh, it, it's a quote by D.L. Moody. Uh, and this quote is actually attributed to D.L. Moody a lot of times. It's actually not. Again, he was actually at a prayer meeting. He heard a guy say it, and he said that this resonated with him so much that it shook him to the core, that he decided that, yes, I'm uneducated. Yes, I don't have any religious qualifications, but I'm going to go change the world. So when it's attributed to him, it's as it is on the screen there, that the world is yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. And D.L. Moody said, by God's help, I aim to be that man. Moody became the greatest evangelist of his time. Not only did thousands and thousands of people come into relationship with Jesus, and again, he was a shoe salesman. wasn't a pastor. He was a shoe salesman. Thousands and thousands of people come into relationship with Jesus through him because he read or he heard this uh, guy at his prayer meeting say that, look, the world is yet to see 
what can be done through a man or a woman who fully sells out to Jesus. Not only does he lead thousands of people to Jesus, but still to this day his influence is felt. You can actually go out to Chicago and go to the school that's named after him, the Moody Bible Institute. Some of you heard of Moody Publishing and, and Moody Books. It's all D.L. Moody, a shoe salesman, an ordinary guy who God called to do extraordinary things. Do you think D.L. Moody was perfect? No, he wasn't. But he realized that, look, failure is not a person. It's an event. And yes, I've messed up from time to time, but if I'll stop going my way, if I'll stop going Satan's way, turn, repent, Start going Jesus' way. Just each day, take next steps to get closer and closer to Jesus. He said, I could change the world. And he did. Again, I want to challenge you with the exact same thing. God has called you to be a world changer, but we've got to learn the lesson of Samson. Samson had this great call in his life, but he kept messing up over and over and over again. doesn't have to be that way. doesn't. But you've got a choice. Are you going to go your way? Are you going to go Satan's way? Or are you going to go God's way? Pray you make the right decision. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day and this opportunity to gather together to worship you. And Lord, I just thank you for these past four weeks as we've been able to look at the life of Samson. And uh, Lord, for the most part, we learned how not to do a lot of things. But Lord, that's why we're so thankful for Scripture. It's not a, a book of perfect people making perfect decisions all the time. It's a book of imperfect people who are forgiven by a perfect God. And you, God, Jesus, not only forgive us, but you say, I can use you to make a difference. And so, Lord, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your grace. We thank you that no matter what we've done, you still want to use us in great and mighty ways. And so, Lord, I pray that as we wrap up this uh, series, that your spirit has been convicting us of what the pillars are in our own individual lives. And God, you would show us what the next step is that we need to take to push those pillars down. Lord, help us not to come back in here next week the same as we walk out of here today. Help us to be faithful to following you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.